0: a balloon. We got balloons because we're the penny guys, <laughs> trying to keep you penny wise, hey. and so you don't spend too much money on balloons. They're come expensive. On, come on down to Pennywise's balloon emporium, and oh fuck, I don't know where this is going. uh It's the pod people, and we're talking about it. You yeah. said you had a plan, Tease. I never I'm had a What have a you done?
1: Well, uh, I'm Egg Boy Ben Sheets. I'll suck your dick
2: for $5. Ah, oh, hell, I'll do it for free. I'm Cleveland Mosier. <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> Y'all having a good night tonight, or day, or whatever time? My
0: favorite thing about that reference is that nobody who hasn't read the book will get it, uh-huh. so anybody who just goes into that blind just thinks that you're sucking dicks for free out here. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it could be both, but, you know, we'll, uh, that's for uh, another day.
0: Well, anyway, it is the eve of IT Chapter 2, and by eve, I mean, like, the week before.
1: Well, when this releases, it'll be the day we go see IT Chapter oh. 2. So
0: so in order to cover our bases, we are talking about the 2017 film, IT Chapter 1, uh, directed by Andy Muschietti who also uh, directed Mama, which we talked about on our first episode of the podcast. The film stars Bill Skarsgård, Jaden Martell, Finn Wolfhard, and Sophia Lillis, and it's based on the novel by Stephen King about a group of loser teens who must band together to discover why children in their town are disappearing and confront an astral horror in the form of a murderous clown. Now, Cleveland, you just finished listening to... The novel on audiobook, right? That
2: is correct. Loved it. Absolutely adored it. It's great, right? Yeah, finished it today, right on time. It was a pretty phenomenal read. There were some things I didn't like, but they're the standard fare.
1: It's interesting because you just finished the book and you
2: haven't seen this
1: movie before.
2: I had not. I, uh, I wanted to wait to read the book, you know, even though literally everyone has been telling me to go see it since its release in 2017. I've moved twice since then. I abstained until I could read the book and the sequel coming up for the podcast. I said, hey, no time like the present. Listen to it on tape. And then we watched the movie last night. Yeah, we sure did. We we Um, watched the film. Yeah, and Tease,
1: you've read the book a few times and seen
2: the movie a few times. I haven't read the book myself,
1: but I've seen the movie a few times.
0: I was a little bit worried about you reading slash listening to the book beforehand, Cleveland, because I had an experience. Uh, I read this when I was in ninth grade, I think, for the first time, and uh, obviously this movie wasn't out then but the uh, 1990 made-for-TV version was, and I had never seen that, and I watched it immediately after finishing (laughs) the book. Yikes. And I have never been so furious at a film in my life, I don't think, because I was coming fresh and hot off of this really excellent, albeit extremely lengthy and rambling book, but I loved it. I was, it was one of my earlier Stephen King experiences. And I went into that movie like ready to be blown away by a film adaptation of that book that I loved. And I was so disappointed. Wow, yeah. In the years since, I have read the book more times. And I've seen the 90s adaptation more times. And I have a certain appreciation for it now. I don't think it's a good movie. But I do think that it has a lot of really fun schloss.
1: Yeah, stuff. yeah. And the, like Curry as someone who hasn't Tim read the books, like I appreciate a lot of elements of it, especially Tim Curry. Um, yeah, all Tim the,
0: Curry blows it out of the. Water. All the I mean, kid actors the hero, yeah. in
1: that movie are just awful. They're really yeah. bad. But uh, some of the adults in it are pretty decent.
0: They're okay. Yeah. Um, but my my point is that the the book is so good that like going into that I had such rose tinted glasses that it really hurt my viewing experience of that movie that I have now come to appreciate with you know being able to put some distance and I'm wondering what your experience of seeing a film adaptation of that book is coming, just same like I was, fresh hot off, off the heels. Yeah. Okay, well... Because I during the movie last night, I heard you incoherently mumbling to yourself a lot. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes, I was. I know I'm probably going to piss some people off with this opinion, and I'm not apologizing in advance, uh, but just being aware of that, <laughs> especially considering... The way you felt after watching the TV series and reading the book, I recognize this opinion might sound a little spoiled, but I didn't have that great of a time, like, watching this movie, and I think that there are a number of problems at hand. The first one is all the goddamn hype that I had over this film, like, thrown at me. I think it's a good movie! Like, since since 2017, <laughs> people have been nonstop, sh- like, like clamoring for me to see it. Many of my friends have given me recommendations to watch it, telling me I'd love it for years. My expectations were probably a little too high going into this movie. And also coming off the book, I was intrigued, because I grew up watching a lot of, like, 1950s horror movies, and in the book, the monster takes the form of a lot of those monsters. Because uh, ste- it takes
0: it, an important distinction is that the, the the childhood section of the novel takes place in the fifties rather than the eighties.
2: Yes, uh, I was excited to see those, and then I heard before we watched the film that it was set in the eighties instead, mm. so the present day part could be during present
0: day. Right.
2: And I, I thought that was a cool idea. I um, I'm into that. There are plenty of great examples of modernizations for as many bad as there are, and I was okay with that. I was curious to see how they would reinterpret. A lot of that because like the, the childhood sections of the book are just a love letter to, to a childhood in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And it's so specific to that. Like the book is just enriched with references from that
0: era. I mean, it's Stephen King's own childhood.
2: Right. So I wanted to see how they'd reinterpret that and where they would, you know, make changes and where they wouldn't. And that's where a number of my problems come in. To begin with, Uh, there are a lot of things that they don't recontextualize that I felt should have been. And there are things that they did recontextualize that I didn't think were necessary. One of the interesting things about this film is while it is set in the
1: 80s, I don't feel like it rests on the '80s very hard at all,
0: really. No, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's integral to set the the film in that specific time. Aside from they wanted Chapter Two to take place in present day, and so they needed to set it 27 years before. Yeah,
1: and I mean, outside of modern technology not being present, you right. can't really place this film. Too much in the 80s. There's there some minor certain, elements.
0: There's certain hallmarks. Like Richie makes a couple of very specific references to things in the 80s, like you point out, Cleveland. He makes a where's the, the, the beef, beef reference. Yeah, that's felt a little um, heavy
2: handed, but nothing. Great. Bel-
0: Belch Huggins, one of the bullies, is wearing an Anthrax t-shirt.
2: But I mean, uh, I could be. Today oh, that's too. great. Like that's not. That's not even a complaint.
0: Well, no, no, no. I'm just yeah. saying that. Like you're largely it's, right. It's there very are, minimal. There are a few like specific things that are like, okay, this is the 80s, but it's not And like- I, I actually in, would have been in,
2: okay with it being a little bit more saturated.
0: Um, I know, like, I, in a a, way, I feel like the where's the I, I was a little heavy-handed.
1: In a way, I appreciate that it's not too heavy, but at the same time, considering how much context that stuff brings in the book, yeah. having a lack of much of any of that in the movie kind of makes the movie feel... ...a little more
0: shallow, right. I guess you could say. Well, see, here's... I, I want to make sort of my general broad statement about this movie... ...because I, I overall think this is a, a pretty good film. That being said, I acknowledge that I have to make a lot of excuses... ...to be able to get to that point and, and acknowledge that it's a good film... ...such as, like, in terms of, like, big-budget popcorn horror movies... ...that are coming out today it's miles above most of what's in the theaters. That's excuse number one. So going into the theater and seeing it and being like, oh, wow, I'm not having a miserable time. This is pretty I, This is pretty cool. I do want to unpack that, but I'll let you
1: finish your point here.
0: Uh, and other, other things is like, well, the book is 1,500 pages, And this two-hour and 15-minute movie is supposed to encapsulate fully half of it. It's just not enough time. And third, a big part of what makes the book so good for me is that it's continually switching back and forth in between the children and the adults. It's not, like, split nicely in half. To the extent that, like, the climax of the book happens simultaneously between the, the the past and the present, so it's flipping back and forth. So because of that, they have to way tone down the climax of this movie because they can't spoil what's going to happen at the end of the second one. So all of these things I acknowledge and that putting those aside, putting those into consideration, I think that as an adaptation of the novel, I think this film is pretty successful. At least at capturing the ethos and I think it does a pretty good job of capturing the characters too. For as little screen time as they get just because there's so many of them. I think that the script is cleverly written enough that you get a sense of each of their individual personalities and they don't become interchangeable, which is something that I think is very dangerous and I think is kind of one of the problems of the 90s one is that the kids become somewhat interchangeable.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you have a lot of great points there and I think we should probably try to unpack them one by one here. So first off, I want to talk about... How you mentioned, like, of the movies of its type, it's miles better than most. And I I think that's a really great point. I think this is very much a popcorn horror movie, you know, in a lot of ways. Personally, I loved this movie when I first saw it. But on this viewing, I kind of appreciated it a little less. Yes, Um, But I think it's a good point mentioning that it is a popcorn horror because it is very... I would say relentless in its pacing. Uh, Every 10 or 15 minutes, you get a horror set piece.
0: I mean, it just comes down to you have all of these characters that have to get their time, and they have to be introduced, and each one of them has to have their own interaction with it so they can come together and be like, yeah, I've seen it too. We all know there's something going yeah. on. That's a big part of the book, and it's a huge section of the book, is setting up each of the kids individually and recounting the first time that they encounter this monster. And kind of
1: seeing I, their s- fears and
2: stuff like so that. So
0: having to do that in a film, it ha- yeah, it, it's very relentless. Um, I did have some problems with that aspect.
2: I think that the sure. pacing was reasonable. I do agree there were, like thrills and chills every 15 minutes or so. I think uh, there are
0: some times where it could have been better left to breathe. God, yeah. It's just, well, yeah. My, there's just not time well, for it. Well,
2: exactly. And that's, that's where I'm going with this is that also this film, it just starts out way too strong. The whole concept behind it is the revelations. One of the things that makes it so terrifying and it keeps you consistently hooked throughout that massive novel is the delivery of information on what it is. Right. And the film throws that out the window immediately. Right off the bat, you're seeing multiple scary creatures at once. Whereas in the book, you only identify it as a singular entity for, for a very long time. Here, we're seeing a lot of like spooky things all at once. And, and so immediately, like, you get the impression that it is dairy, it is something larger that's, like, projecting these things out, whereas in the book, you think it's just a monster or something for a long time right. that can, like, shapeshift. And you don't know what it is. And I really didn't like that. Like, it, it felt like something, like, extremely supernatural at the beginning with, like, the weird lady in the painting. And when Ben, like, sees, like, the headless person and Pennywise in the same, you know, like, and it just blows its load so early. And it doesn't give you any anywhere to build. It's like it's already, like, this entity that controls the entire environment around it at that point and well, that's that's left to be revealed in the book and I don't know why they did that. Uh, that's
1: that's the thing cuz like I think the relentlessness for the type of movie it is I I think it's really well done. I would compare this to something like the Conjuring or yeah, something like that. that's what like I was that. thinking too. You know, yeah. like a, a big tent type of horror movie mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And in terms of that, well, in the terms high, of... It's
0: the highest grossing horror yeah, film ever yeah, made. Yeah, exactly. It, surpa-
1: it surpassed The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah in terms about, yeah. of pacing expectations of these type of movies, it hits all those marks. And I think what it does too is a lot of those horror sequences are legitimately spooky and chilling. Yeah, that's the and thing. And well executed. The thing is... I think it does a disservice to the source material in a lot of ways. Yes, because it is so relentlessly pacing. Yeah. It comes at the expense well, of some of that depth and
2: character. Yes. Well, the thing is, those like those sequences at the beginning, like when you're not aware of how much control this creature has, are still terrifying. And like, right. I, and that's yeah. my bit is like, I don't think it was necessary. And I think that those scenes would have just would have been. Equally terrifying without breaking that rule so early is all, and and that's why I'm kind of confused by it. I think, and also again too, I I think that it would have been a scarier movie like if it had somewhere to go because I was I was not really scared during this film. The end of the projector sequence, oh, I love that it was great section. And that's probably my section. favorite I think that's scare it. of the movie, and and I think that's about it for me.
0: I think a lot of it translates really well. I mean, that's another thing is that like the part that makes it scary is that it takes the shape of whatever you fear most so it knows uniquely how to terrify you right so for making a modern film you have to update that somehow to reach modern audiences and i think it's it's successful in some ways and it's not in others I think that in terms of a translation, I think the opening scene with, uh, with Georgie being taken by it, I think is pretty well I, think super I think it's great. I think it's great. I should, in uh, the, I should in add that one, the list.
2: Absolutely. I right. think that one's pretty good. Uh, I Except think, that it takes him. That was a weird choice for me, and I didn't like that. I think it's way scarier, like it just ripping his arm off and disappearing. Like, I, th- I think that that's way more horrifying and him just dying in the street. And a neighbor like witnessing it.
0: That, that is one thing that I'm not fully convinced of, of being very effective is that there's this whole thing in the movie where Bill thinks that Georgie's might still be alive. No, why would you do that? Like, see, that's, right. a, that's a, I, it's a really
2: I, silly choice because, like, I actually, it's, don't kids are disappearing constantly. Mind that like, he's, too he's much not alive.
1: Because you need a central through line to push the narrative along. Well, I mean, that's it traumatizing them. Like, I think that's. Well, about. I mean, like. I don't know if I agree with the limited runtime they have. They have to have a reason for them to keep trying to figure this out. They have to. And have a I think continual I think the action, conceit yeah. of having finding George, having some opportunity uh, and need for closure in this respect is kind of crucial towards the narrative structure of it. Quite I, I totally it, understand I that the book may not have done that. And like you said, on to your second point there, you know, the book is 1,500 pages. Right, You have to really condense stuff.
0: And it plays into the fact that they can't have their final confrontation with it as kids be the same as their confrontation with it as oh. adults, like it is in the book. You have to have like a win, like something that you're picking up and that sense of exactly. Glory, Exactly. Of <laughs> but, like, the, with cost, the
2: cost of that is it makes Bill look stupid. Kids are disappearing constantly. They're fully aware of, like, the history of violence and dairy. Bill can put the odds together, especially when literally everyone is sure, telling, like, well, you need to, like.
1: That's the thing. I think he knows that Georgie's probably dead. He just wants the closure more
2: than anything. Yeah. You know? I, I can, and that's how I, I read it, too. at least. Especially, you know?
0: especially after the scene where, well, I mean, Georgie I, and Pennywise how about, appear in the basement.
2: How about closure through vengeance? Like it is in the book. I mean, I mean that's, that's enough of a motive.
0: That's all, like, he does get that. Yeah, closure, that's what he gets, vengeance. you know? It's right. just that trying to find what happened to Georgie is what leads him to the overarching mystery of why are kids disappearing in this town? What is doing it? Yeah, it, yeah. it, it feels like fixing I, something
2: that isn't broken. I mean,
1: it's condensing the, the big narrative. And the thing is, like, I do agree that It's almost overly condensed. Mm -hmm. Uh, to the expense of some of the characterization. A lot of the characterization stuff in this movie I really love. I think it's done pretty well. For how many
0: characters it is, I great. I don't think
1: we get quite enough of it. I I think we're so packed Mm -hmm. with scare set pieces after scare set pieces that we kind of lose some of that. Yeah, I think so. Like I I, I said,
0: time to breathe. I
1: I wish there was a little more time to breathe. I I, I definitely agree
0: with
2: that. Before horror
1: started Um, happening. And uh, uh we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Is the projector scene? I think it it's legitimately scary. It's the pretty, thing yeah, is it's like well I the thing I noticed this time though is that sequence, especially the second half
2: of it, is almost cut like a trailer. Well, and was, I think that scene was used as a trailer. I'd seen almost that entire scene except for like when the projector falls over. That's when it cuts, but they use that scene as a trailer for the film. Yeah, well, The, I the that thing trailer. I wanted really to mention about like, that, it's is, a great scene. And I, I, I think it, the idea
1: context. of it cut as a trailer is kind of apt for what the movie turned out to be. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it's so condensed that it feels like a trailer of what the book is. It's the highlight reel, the spark notes of it. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. and I, I, I wish there was more to it than there is. I think all of the kid actors do a pretty solid job i think casting um, is
0: is good like all the kids i think give good performances they all capture the essence of their characters in the book a mm-hmm. uh, slightly truncated version but they all they all stand out the one that i am always most surprised by is fucking uh what's his face from stranger things finn, finn, finn Wolfhard. Hard, yeah. yeah seeing him in the movie like right especially right when stranger things is taking off and getting popularity, and I'm like Oh, he's doing the same thing. Like this is going to be this is going to be dumb. But he's actually really good. Yeah, in this well, movie. and the yeah. thing he is actually... like he's
1: comic relief in this movie, but they don't pull punches on the jokes he makes. You know, and they don't talk down cuz they're kids. They don't you know? talk
0: they don't talk down and he has a couple of moments where they make you take him seriously as a character and mm-hmm. he's not just the comic relief like when they go into the house on knee street and he finds the the lost child poster with his own face on it Mm -hmm. and like he's been the biggest denier of the thing all along so being confronted with that he's like he he has sort of a breakdown moment and for the the comic relief character to have that to be sort of humanized a little bit so it's not just the kid who's cracking jokes yeah it takes the rug out
2: from under you i (laughs) think
0: yeah it helps all of the characters have that with the exception of one, and that's one thing I want to talk about, and that's Mike. He is the God. most underdeveloped of all and the kids in the And it kills movie. me because
2: he gets more attention than Eddie, and then Stanley in, in the book. He's a huge part
0: of the book. Like, and yeah. he gets
2: completely just, like, turned into that a token was a, character. That was a weird choice I have, for I have, me. There, yeah. are, there are two character vision things that I think were, like, near criminal, and that's turning Mike into a token character and turning Beverly into a princess in the tower. That had me kind of livid, honestly. That was a ploy, and uh, it's... it was As someone who
1: hasn't read the hmm. book, I didn't mind how they approached, uh, the Beverly character.
0: You know, I'm sure... I would have a different opinion if I'd read the book. It's, but like It, it I seems think... a little phoned in, but I don't think it's that bad, considering that you have to have a reason to get them down into the sewers, something that they can't talk themselves out of, and considering that they're not going to deal the death blow to Pennywise like they are as kids in the book, they they have to have something to get them down there, the, and it's, it's, a, it's serviceable. The, it's not great. The one
1: thing I'll say about the Beverly character, too, is out of all the characters, I I think they might have the best element of having the scare set piece sequences build their character in uh-huh. a lot
0: of ways
2: um, with the bathroom, the, the, ba- the bloody with bathroom. The blood. Yeah, yeah which I think
0: is well done in this movie. It's too. extremely
2: yeah. well done. And that's pretty true to the book. I love that they even kept in them cleaning up the blood. Mm. Like, that's a that's a wonderful love, sequence, I scene. and I thought it was going to get cut.
0: Yeah, I love I love when her dad comes in and can't see the blood. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that, right, I think that whole scene is handled right out of well. the book,
2: and it's excellent. I just, at that point, too, like, the kids were also, again, like, already aware that it was, like, a projection entity, whereas in the book they weren't, and it kind of takes the meaning of them scrubbing it, like, out of the picture, and it kind of decontextualized it, which was odd. Well, I think it has a context... It shows that they're
1: accepting that uh, accepting Beverly into the group. Oh, you no, know, that, is, that is even in the book.
2: They, that's the they crux understand,
0: yeah. you know, the threat. That they're all in this together. The, know, the, the, the solidification of the losers. The club. use mm-hmm. of the, the blood itself
1: kind of mirrors her coming of age with yes. buying uh, pads and stuff. Much in, in a,
2: uh, a tandem with uh, Carrie. Is her,
0: you're going to have to remind me. Which is me. also Stephen
2: King, right? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: You're gonna have to remind me, Cleveland. Certainly, is her dad that rapey in the book? So I don't remember him he, being that he cartoonishly rapey. Is
2: I, I, I thought it was pretty well written in the book. I'd be curious to hear like some other perspectives. It's been on a, that. it's
0: been a long time but since um, the book. and I'm,
2: I'm I'm open to perspectives disagreeing with that too uh but i thought it was relatively well done it's a little bit more believable in the book one of the issues is they play it up with beverly being terrified of him the first time we see him and that's that was the biggest concern he's immediately that way
0: right well it's just another day whereas it kind of comes out of left field for beverly in the book otherwise yeah yeah
2: and well It coming out of left field is kind of what makes it so terrifying in the book. Sure, And to be clear, in the book, it comes out of left field for Beverly. It doesn't necessarily for the viewer. Stephen King drops very subtle signs. Beverly's mother asks her at one point, like, Hey, is your father ever, you know, like... Been a little weird around you or anything like that. They was like, no, he hasn't. It's he's fine. Yeah, and that's it. And and you think, okay, well, maybe maybe not. And so then when the scene occurs, like, oh wait, no, yes, and yeah. oh god, and it's really unsettling it's, for it. And he another... actually, that sequence is actually a little bit worse in the book. He makes a, an attempt to like check her to see. That's right. And yeah, it's just like I it's it's really fucked now. up yeah, and terrifying. Yeah. And also, it ends more terrifying because that uh in the film. She runs into the bathroom and he breaks the door down and he she hits him over the head, I think, with the, the, toilet, with the, the toilet, the toilet seat, the, the ceramic yeah. seat. And in um, the book,
0: he takes he takes her to it, right?
2: No, he um, he kind of becomes it a little bit. It's really cool. Like, I just you see the influence of it on him. Right. And he chases her down the street in broad daylight. And she's, like, running from him, and uh, she's screaming for help. In the book, it's, like, 50s suburbia. You know, like, they have, like, a, an apartment on, like, a slightly right. worse side of town, but, you know, they're, they're, she's just running down the street, and he's running after her, and she's terrified, and he's screaming all this horrible stuff at her. And she looks over, and she sees one of her neighbors just sitting on his front porch or whatever reading a news, newspaper. And he just keeps reading as a newspaper and, like, doesn't acknowledge the situation. And that is the revelation in the book where you recognize the, uh, the power that it has over dairy. The that, people... like, the
0: adults are kind of hypnotized. They're sort of blind to, to what's happening. Right, and it's so effective head. and terrifying. And I don't know why that was... Yeah. You've already got the it's, scene. It's just yet another thing where I feel like they just don't have the time for it. They hint at that a little bit. With the scene where Henry Bowers and his gang catch Ben on the bridge, and he starts trying to carve his name into Ben's stomach, and the car drives past, and he's screaming for help, and the people just look at him and keep driving. That's like the only scene where they kind of hint at it. Which is funny because it doesn't have much context without. Without the rest of it. Yeah, because I don't don't
1: read that as it at all, not reading the book, you know? Right,
0: well, and that is a big thing in the book, is that part of its power is it makes the adults indifferent and blind to, like, children suffering. And
2: again, remember, like, when that sequence is in the film? And when that revelation occurs, and that's why that's so powerful, is because that sequence has happened after the kids have already, like, seen it a couple of times, but only as a singular entity. When you realize that it's like, oh, wait, no, it has power over all the adults. It has power over everything. We can't get help anywhere. You're fucking terrified. I was hoping to get that feeling I from think, this movie, and I never did. See, I don't
1: really read that until the dad goes into the bloody bathroom right, where they can't recognize it. Other than that, like I don't read that along yeah. as much. Well, in see, the movie. that's
0: that's the thing. I think a, a a good encapsulation of the translation is that the movie does a good job of getting the gist. It captures a lot of the ethos of the book and the ethos of the characters. What it does a bad job with is the higher concept stuff because there's not time for Fuck it. Fuck me,
2: d- doesn't it just? And I can I can summarize it pretty quickly as as to why it straight up monologues its intent. It does not do that in the books no, like no, it's just no, like no, no. I'm gonna eat Jafia and it's like why are you telling me what you're doing like why is the monster telling me that it's like the unknown is what makes it so terrifying hence like the use of just a singular pronoun I wish, I like why would had, you monologue
0: I wish there had been more of that revelation saved for this new movie right they had their faded and they they left they ultimately left like the big mystery like what it is and where it came from as they, they they're saving that for this one. But I think I agree with you. I think this one would have been stronger if it left more open to interpretation and less clear. So then it's like, well shit, I to get my answers, I, I really want to see the second the second movie. You know Yeah, yeah. I, well, think, I think it does lay its it does lay its cards on the table a little bit too heavily. But that being said, like all of the cards that it's putting down I think are pretty good cards. I think I think a sure, lot yeah. the, a lot of the horror set pieces though they are are relentless i think a lot of them are pretty well handled in terms of setup and uh execution and editing i think that they're all pretty effective in their own way but it's just like i as somebody who loves the book and who loves cosmic and horror, we're not going to get
2: this interpreted again for a long time
0: uh, who knows we very well might we could get it reinterpreted again in two years uh,
2: mini-series
0: time. Well, see, Honestly, that's, that's, HBO,
2: an HBO mini-series would the be the thing. perfect way I've to said do it
0: about a lot perfect. of movies we've talked about lately, but it would be fantastic for like an eight-episode mini-series.
2: God, yes. Um, or even
0: a six-episode mini-series. will yeah. keep it at eight. Going yeah, off what I you said, I,
1: I do agree that like, uh, but I think this really does good. what it goes out for pretty well. Um, I do want to kind of tangent us a little bit and talk a bit more about Pennywise himself in the movie, Uh, Bill Skarsgård specifically. I think it's handled pretty well. Personally, I've always liked Tim Curry's performance in the, the, the 90s version quite a bit. I think he hits that tone of comical, but imposing at the same time and i think bill skarsgard does a fairly good job of that as well i I don't think he does quite as well as tim curry
0: okay so here's my thoughts on that i i think that tim curry is the thing that saves that original movie and i think that he does do a very good job he provides the right balance of comedy and menace but considering that much of the rest of the film around him is such a disaster (laughs) it sort of I think sucks a lot of the weight from his performance and I think for this adaptation Bill Skarsgård does a really good job of providing the necessary weight while still providing a believable degree of comedies maybe the wrong word but goofiness that in context is kind of scary i think mm-hmm. i think bill scarsgard is a good scary pennywise I think so too. I think he does a lot of. Ni- I think he has a lot of nice touches. I didn't like the delivery of his lines,
2: but it was more from. I'll fully give that as a personal thing. Like, I think he did a great job. I didn't like how how fast he spoke. I, I can give both sides of the perspective on this, like why why I feel that way, and also why it's kind of wrong. It doesn't feel like a circus clown. Now that could also make sense. It's it's a dark creature impersonating a circus clown, so so like maybe it shouldn't sound like a circus clown. And
0: that's what I that's what I actually like about his performance and his line delivery. There's there's a certain amount of disjointedness to the way he speaks, and a lot of it I think comes from the fact that Bill Skarsgård is a non-native English speaking actor. So some of it is is just his sort of foreign deliverance of English lines, but for what it is. I think having having a sort of disjointed, almost sort of like mockery of normal human speech works really well.
2: It didn't feel like a clown from the, I think it's like the 1910s or 20s, which is like when it f- first started taking that form right. in the, the original narrative. And I was a little hoping for that because visually it does look like that. And that's what I'm going to give. Huge props for in this film because the, costume like,
0: design the Tim Curry one yeah. looks just like
2: a, like a more like a modern clown, He's like
0: a bozo. The clown, yeah,
2: and this one does like the twenty, like the the costuming is fantastic, and the like
0: huge, like the really big ruffled collar. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's great,
2: and um, uh, the the little things like that they do with the CG, like where his eyes start to like tilt off in that's the wrong not CG, direction. That's
0: Bill Skarsgård doing that. No shit, yeah, it's awesome. He has kind of a lazy eye, and he can control it. So that's that's really. I, I actually remember I reading that he walked into the audition and started doing that when he was reading, <laughs> his lines, and that was one of that's and, cool. and that was one of the things that made them go with him. His eyes kind of separating.
1: Well, the, the thing I love about the design of Pennywise in this movie is it hits a bit of that uncanny valley. At yeah, times. totally. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that forehead that's a little too big. His head's a little
0: too bulbous.
1: Yeah, yeah. and uh, the eyes kind of have a weird glow. And the buck teeth. And the buck teeth, teeth, you know? It works really well to make you uncomfortable.
0: I I love in that opening scene where we see him in the sewer and, like, you can just sort of see his face through the, the shadow from the grating. The first great touch that I love about that is the whole time he's talking to Georgie, he's drooling.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is, I think, really unsettling. And also that as he sort of starts to get to the end of the conversation before he attacks Georgie, his eyes slowly turn from blue to that, like, yellow ringed in red that's, like, his true eye color. Really nice touches. Oh,
2: yeah. Loved that. I I also liked his his sort of ad-libs with uh, the original dialogue uh, there, too. Mm -hmm. I thought that was solid. Like, for the most part, it's it's the same as the book, but he ad-libs a little during the... um, like, do you hear the the smell of the there's peanuts and popcorn? Is yeah. popcorn your favorite? Pop pop pop! And he does the little like yeah. the popping thing, like the and the pop that bit, like in a way to like engage with like a two year old, you know, or like a or how old is George? He's George not is
0: like six. Yeah, that yeah. way
2: to like engage with like a six year old mm-hmm. and like on that level is so creepy. And I, mm-hmm. I I liked that addition personally. Yeah, I I should also bring up there is a third performer that I think is actually worth mentioning, and that's the person who narrated the book. He did an incredible job. Um, Steven Weber, is his name?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like Weber comes. Um
0: Steven!
2: But Steve, uh, it's either Weber or Weber, um, does a great job with with Pennywise's voice.
0: What was it last episode with the Weber thing? Oh, uh, uh, Samura Weaver. Weaver yeah. They come like Weber. Yeah. <laughs> <say> <laughs>
2: I was getting her return name. of the Weber. I was getting her name all kinds of wrong, and I still feel bad about that. But it, it was daughter. pretty good. Um, At least uh, you didn't call her Margo Ruby.
1: Actually, <laughs> only once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: I, I called her Margot Weber. I called her. I, I, yeah, I got their names all of the kinds of mixed up. Anyway, <laughs> back to it. I did enjoy his performance.
0: I thought it was good. I I like all of the moments when he reveals himself in the form of the clown to the mm-hmm. kids sort of at the end of their encounters, I think each of those is pretty... The, the one that works least for me is when the headless boy in the library basement just all of a sudden has a Pennywise head. Lol. I thought that was a little corny. I hated but it that like, whole bit, yeah. But, like, the the part where Mike sees him and he sees, like, the, do- the door chain shut with, like, the fire inside and all the people trying to get out, and then the door just slams open and you see Pennywise, like, dangling behind the, the plastic... Um, yeah, I
1: really liked that. thought
0: that was really bit. great. Uh, when Eddie has his encounter with the leper at Neebolt Street for the first time, which is in the book, good adaptation. I well, think. Well, I, mean, I mean, the leper doesn't offer to suck his dick. No, but... no, no. Oh, that was fine. That that going was 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 more than fine. But in the
2: the book, it just that scene occurs a little bit more slowly. There's a build up right. again, and in this, he walks to the center of the street, like because he or he drops, he his, drops meds, those, his
0: meds, and he yeah. just looks
2: up, and he's there, and it's a jump scare play, and I wasn't here for it and like in the book like it know, crawls okay. out from under, under the the porch. the porch because like we're talking about the 50s so like hobo culture was still like lingering and was still like it was something that like, people thought about and talked about a lot i know that my dad grew up in the 50s and like he would talk about it and his fears from hearing about hobos and it it's it has context and i wasn't expecting to see that in this and they they just make it a leper exclusively and not like a hobo so it's it's a little bit le- it has a little bit less meaning to him but it's still very relevant to his character and his yeah. germophobia. and well, his right. yeah, hypochondria
0: yeah. but but at the end of that sequence when he turns around and and there's pennywise with the upside down pyramid of balloons I, that was pretty, I think that's a great that cool. image. I really, right there. really I really iconic. like the effect that they do. That like every time Pennywise appears or that he attacks, they do this uh, sort of like fixed focus effect where his head remains the center of the frame, but everything around him is around his head is kind of like warping mm-hmm. and moving. And it's sort of, I this time I sort of just like got the impression that it's like he's it's just him warping reality around him, which the, is what yeah, he does. The,
1: only exception to that, and I only say this because I had unfortunately seen the memes before the movie... Oh, is, the, I can't his, take his jig. The the dance when when that visual happens where everything is moving except for his head when yeah. he's
0: dancing. Oh, it's, it's fucking hilarious! It's I laughed. Just funny. I laughed in the theater when that happened. It's great. I think it plays in well with sort of like clowny like I, menace. You know, I laughed too. Pennywise the dancing clown. Like it's it's yeah. go, it's goofy as fuck, but it doesn't detract from the danger that. Ben Everly is in in that scene, and I mean, don't get me wrong, the memes that came out of that, Top fantastic, tier. yeah, actually, yeah, fantastic.
2: No, no, I, I'm inclined to agree, and I know that I am, and probably will continue to like grind on this movie a little bit for issues. But I, I laughed at that too, but I, I enjoyed it, I, I, and I'm glad it was in the film, like that like the dancing jig thing. Yeah. No, what what the the head thing reminded me of that that camera trick is reverse like helmet cams. Yeah, like when the the person is wearing like something on their head that's looking back at their face. And like well, I mean that's how that's how
0: them. the effect is created. Is that the the point of focus is the head, which is moving, so the head stays stationary mm-hmm. and everything right. around it moves.
2: Right, but the trick in this is that the camera is like fifty feet away. You know, fifty to one hundred. Right. away. Right, but it,
0: it it accomplishes the same effect. Right, and which is what I like about it. I and think it it's a, done I'm, really well.
2: I'd like to see the processing on that. I'd like probably to a robot
0: out. arm. Almost certainly. Yeah. Almost mm-hmm. certainly. Just a tracking arm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, th- I think I think that works really well. I think that uh, a couple of like the big climactic scenes toward the end are really good. I love when the whole sequence where Bill, Eddie, and Richie go into the house to, to try to uh, find the like, oh, yeah. the sewer stuff, and yeah. it attacks them. Uh, That part where Eddie falls through the ceiling, or uh, through the ceiling into the kitchen, and the fridge opens, and it, like, unfolds itself from inside the fridge, that whole thing was handled really well. The sequences in the house Bill Skarsgård's performance in that scene is fantastic, I think.
2: And I I recognize that, like, the house on Neville Street, like, plays an important role, but I think that there was one setting that got the shaft, uh, and that's the barons.
0: They have less importance in the movie than they do in the book. And And even in the 90s movie, the barons are extremely central. I was kind of disappointed by that, too. Right,
2: because that's a universal aspect of childhood. Like, I grew up playing in Swamps. Yeah. Like, (laughs) set in the 50s, set in the 80s, you you can maintain that. And I wouldn't have felt, like, as slighted about them just kind of, like, ditching the barons so much if they didn't include it in the dialogue. Like with a wink and they went to, they go to the quarry instead. That whole sequence could have been at the Barrens. Like yeah, that could have been
0: Well, you know, when, like right, especially because like when they go to the quarry to swim with Bev, that's sort of like their first time hanging out with her, and in the book that is done from her like coming down into the Barrens and yeah. like helping them with the dam that they're building and everything. I agree. I right. think I think it's kind of a missed opportunity. And they the Barrens is like a, it's a it's a
2: practically a character itself right. in the book. There's so much built out of that, and that's where you in, you incorporate a lot of the elements of the sewer. They have the rock fight. They do have the rock fight, but it's not really at the Barrens. It's just like at a it's random, in the
0: Barons. It's like at a random creek, though, right? That's the Barrens.
2: Oh right, because it does like it's kind of foresty. Because that's where the
0: that's where the sewer tunnels come out, and that's where out. he makes the point. Yeah, like that's. Mm-hmm. That's the the creek that goes to the barons that, in the book, they were trying to dam.
2: Right. Yeah, I wanted so, want to see the dam, too.
0: Yeah, they do do that in the uh, in the 90s movie, but the kids are all really terrible actors. <laughs> yeah, but,
2: yeah, the biggest part was just where they're just like, oh, fuck the barons, let's go to the quarry! And I just felt like like they were just, that's just like the director like subverting himself, yeah. you know, and like his own interpretation into the it. And barons, it's like, man, like, it, it's not broken. Like you The know.
0: barons kind of got the shaft... And I felt felt like the standpipe kind of got the shaft, too. Yeah. Because that's, like, a central location in the book. And I mean, like, its lair does end up being under the standpipe, but, like... They make such a big deal about like the house on Nibolt Street being like the right. access point where it like that's like its house, and in in the book it's just like a creepy house where that is like one of the places that it's yeah of
2: like haunts. the teenage werewolf sequence occurs. But, of like, but and like
0: the Locust is the is the standpipe, the same, which gonna, is
2: spookier and also it causes less of a reliance on another haunted house.
0: The
1: thing is though, i I think, I, I, I think
2: there. I'm gonna be a voice of dissent here slightly. Sure. Like, I think sure.
1: having this house as the central set piece of the movie
0: is a bit more rich. I mean they you do, know there's a bit more things they can do in the book they, in the book they do have a similar showdown with it in the house, so it's still it still is an important location, but it just it feels kind of like they just took all of it and shoehorned it into one place in the movie rather than having it sort of be like a vast network because like again it, in the,
2: it has a strong hold over the entirety of Derry.
0: It is the town, yeah, basically.
2: Right. And if you limit it to a house, you're actually kind of reducing your scope.
0: I mean, it's it's a minor thing. I think the use of that house is really well done in the in the movie and that the confrontation with it there is probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, yeah, that, it's, it's well projector. done. It's, 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 definitely, definitely it's really well done. So, like, that. I, think, I think it's, you know, for me, just, like, the Barons and the Standpipe is just kind of missed potential. It's not, like, hugely detrimental. It's just, like, I think they just kind of missed an opportunity to I do I think part of like it that. comes down to, again,
1: you know, it feels like A trailer of the actual book you know it's it's the spark notes you have to cut some stuff out I know I think
0: I think you really hit the nail on the head like the spark notes of the novel is like a great way to describe this movie because I feel like you get all of the essentials from the book out of this movie but some of the deeper richer stuff that makes the book really like stand out among other novels is is, lost. is absent from the yeah. movie. and so like it's a good spark notes you get the gist it's it's, inter- it's adequate it's entertaining it's or the i i at least think it's entertaining and that it and that it captures the ideas of the book but doesn't fully developed, though. Well, and here, here's... Is, I think what you kind of have to do... Here's a it's thought a I long have movie. to.
1: I, I want to run this by you guys. Since I haven't read the book, I'd like to hear your guys' opinion on it. But one of the problems I had with Pet Cemetery, the new one, is I felt like it, in a lot of ways, missed the point of the source material, whereas with yeah. it, I think it does do a good job getting on the, the heart of the source material, even if it might miss a lot of the details and it might not be as deep as we would like, you know, it is at sometimes a shallow interpretation of the material. I would I think I think it if it's shallow, I don't think the... it's the
2: heart of it.
0: No, I, I think what the and, way and I would... And again,
2: like with it being dairy and it having such a large breaching presence and those series of revelations, which is where the fear comes from, are all absent. I think so no, that, I don't think it does.
0: I I think that the movie is uh, a good skeleton. It can stand up. It's you know it's complete, but it's lacking. All of like the flesh and stuff. Well, no, I, I think too, that, I, like, there that, are
2: like, things about the skeleton that are different from the book too. Also, on well, top of that,
1: well, less of what I'm saying is that they don't hit the central development points or the plot point, but the idea of the yes. the themes and the uh, the
2: narrative yes. ideas behind I, it. I think that it, it, I think
0: it does get at those. It, it okay. gets
2: at all of those. I don't necessarily think it gets at all of them well.
0: I think they're all there, but it just it just lacks a lot of the development well and but like I, mean, I said you
1: know like i think it could go deeper and that's one of the yes. problems i have with this for sure, but, for, for sure
2: for me like how deep it can go is less of a concern for the fact that we've continually stated that it's it's a two-hour film there's only so much you can do and i fully recognize that and it's why i'm not so bothered on the depth as much as the just the general interpretations and what choices they made to keep and what they didn't, and how those are recontextualized.
0: Yeah, and, and I think from that perspective that I think they did a pretty decent job. As far as adaptations go, it's faithful enough to the book that it doesn't make me angry, and that it addresses the, the themes and stuff of what make the book so good. It just loses a lot of the actual horror, and... Replaces it with. Jump scares. There's barely jump scares in this movie. There's like three or four. But See, almost all the worst. That, that's horror interesting sequences had a jump
1: because I, I, I agree in some respects. I think. It doesn't have that overall sense of dread that I'm sure the books have.
0: Yeah, I think, it's, uh, but I think, I think it But I think, I think, in terms of scares, I think. It does. I think it does creepy spectacle well. R- it, real horror. Thank hor- you, that's the word. Real horror, no. But creepy spectacle, I think it does pretty damn well. And considering that most of the horror movies that we see in theaters, like the big tent pole horror movies like you were talking about, Ben, which is mostly the Conjuring versus. At this days, point, yeah. In this case, of,
2: circus tent pole
0: there it is uh, <laughs> but all of those are n- none of those are are actual like truly horrifying films they're creepy spectacle right. and this is kind of the same and it happens to be pulling from source material that is legitimately horrifying right. and they take that they take that source material and they turn into creepy spectacle but it's a spectacle that i enjoy if i would let myself be more dear with the book I think that I, I could let this movie make me way more mad than it does yeah. but overall I've trained myself at this point to create a distance from it and I think that the movie's pretty successful and what I'll, I'll say
1: too is I think it's one of the better Stephen King adaptations I in general I you agree. know like there's a handful of ones that I think are still better slightly Oh you yeah. know like I, w- I would say Here's of course line. Shawshank of course but also like The Mist is a great example the Shining, yeah, The Shining, which we'll talk about later this year.
0: The Green Mile, The Gerald's Game,
2: Carrie,
0: uh, Carrie, great example. Mm-hmm. I think you, you you do make a point. This is, I would definitely put this in the category of good Stephen King adaptations. I, I would been, too. Uh, like, you know. it's uh it's it's a different beast, but I think if you are going to realistically try to adapt that source material into a film in the 20 teens, you could do a lot worse than this.
1: Yeah, and I think think while we might have a lot of the details gone, while this movie is very heavy on spectacle and set pieces, I think it doesn't miss the heart of the story for those. Mm. You know, in terms of themes, in the same way... You know, a lot of movies of this type. Yeah, it
0: doesn't, I mean, it doesn't miss yeah, the point. The
2: heart of the story and the themes of the story I sort of see as two very different things. You know, I mean, the, the themes are like what what makes us afraid, childhood, those sorts of things. Yes, those, those were captured, but the heart of it, no, I, I don't think was captured. Because the the heart of it is the foreboding aspects of like these these children being murdered and and being disappeared and this this astral presence looming over them. I didn't and feel not astral presence. Adults
0: to help you at all. Yeah,
2: and I I didn't get any of that. So
0: yeah, I think you get a little bit of the astral presence stuff in the final climax. I'm wondering, I'm really hoping that they'll lean into right. that heavy in this one. yeah I, I,
2: and I have to say too, like yeah, when it comes like the astral presence part of it, I don't I don't think it suffered on that front on account of visuals. and again I'm a very visual person. I, I love spectacle. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Man, I will but say though. The floating children and everything at the end, like those shots looked fantastic, but because the film had started out like so intensive, from the beginning, and kind it was of so crazy. To that kind of yeah, thing I was and, I yeah. was relatively jaded by it by the time we got to it, and yeah. I, I wasn't blown out of the water by the final sequence because the opening sequence was was well the the opening sequences with the children all the children were were already so overblown and crazy and it's surreal that the film just it blew its load too early.
1: When I say it misses the point or it doesn't miss the point of the source material, I I mean. Especially in comparison to stuff like Pet Cemetery, where it takes the material and doesn't really get the point of what they're going for, and instead opts for well, it has
0: the it has the spectacle
1: point, scares. It has the
0: point by the hand for a little while and then loses it right yeah. at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, and- but I don't think this film does that in the same way. No, no, you no, know, no. I think I think they're. A bit more in tuned with the frequency
2: of the uh, material I, I, think, I think, yeah, we can we can make the statement that the film is not as bad as Pet Cemetery. I think I think that that I'll agree with.
0: We could argue that as well because I liked the new Pet Cemetery. I mean, I did too. Like I did. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think this movie is better. I do too. But I I don't think it's a I don't think that the new Pet Cemetery is bad. However, I think your point is right, Ben. That while the the point of Pet Cemetery is totally thrown away at the end by them turning the whole family into zombies for some mm-hmm. reason, the climax of this film at least does get the point of the book that what feeds it is also the power that nourishes it is also what is turned against it to destroy it right it's just in like, this case and, it's
2: told to you by it in like I, the most ham-fisted I way i think
0: the
1: uh, the coming of age element of it works pretty successfully in the film
2: i think so too the- well yet i think the second film will will bring that home I'm going to hold off on that until We'll see. End. I do
0: think this movie does does a good job of really separating the kids from all of the adults, which is crucial to the story, is that well, the adults we, The adults are blind to this. And when we do have help. the
1: adults, they are hostile forces. They're all hostile you know? forces, yeah. You have, the uh, one
0: scene we have with Bill's dad is him yelling at Bill, like, your brother's dead, he's not coming back, stop. Trying to figure out what happened to his body. Well, like, and we get the overbearing the, mother, overbearing mother his who's mom. Yeah.
1: telling him he's sick all the time, giving him placebos. Yeah,
0: yeah. trying to you know Munchausen by proxy. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, her her interpretation was was pretty
2: good. Like she had the same moments. They were you in. You know different what she settings, reminded but... me of? She reminded
1: me of the woman from Prisoners, actually.
0: Oh yeah, a little bit
1: with the the creepy tone and the big glasses the big glasses.
0: The glass i think it's mostly the big glasses Honestly. I, I see you there though uh one last
2: point that i thought was weird the pharmacist oh yeah that was what the fuck what the fuck was that all about like in the book the pharmacist is like the only like genuinely good adult from my memory maybe i read that that wrong uh literally but in the book like he legitimately tries to help eddie
0: yeah, that's like, right, if my if my recollection. Like,
2: they switched it around. The young girl, who's the, the clerk at the desk, is just sort of, like, nonchalant and doesn't give a shit. And that's her essential role, and that she gets kind of concerned when Eddie, like, has his panic attack in the pharmacy, which is, isn't in the film, which is fine. But the pharmacist is the one who, like, sits him down and, like, medically explains to this, like, 12-year-old, your medicine's a placebo, your mom is, like, you know, like, overbearing. And, like, he sort of plants that seed in his head, and it's a great sequence because you get his whole thought process on that and like how he has to come around when he confront and he finally confronts his mom with that information like even though like he denies the pharmacist they took that character and they made him into a straight up pedophile and it was weird like it was really yeah weird.
0: i mean i guess i think they just needed like, to make all adults in the movie hostile so there's nobody that the kids can go to that yeah and i any- mean illusions like yeah it's a creep it's definitely a creepy scene i'm I, not denying that i mean but if if for we had purpose in the movie i think it's i think it's fine if we yeah. had the breathing room to develop
1: stuff like that you could do it but yeah. i think the way it's handled in this film with the the girl just nonchalantly mentioning it works pretty oh, well. Oh, no, that, that you know? I was okay
2: with. It, it just very specifically, like, taking a character, like, in the book who was, like, a good guy and then, like, just, just making him into, him into a, a, pedophile. A, 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 like, cartoonish pedophile. Yeah, that was weird. And it's a like, one, you've already got Beverly's dad, you already have, yeah. like, these other characters. I
0: didn't think much about it. But
1: one one thing I want to mention before we wrap it all up here is I thought the soundtrack for this movie was really good. The score
0: is great, uh, Especially
1: yeah. there's a few hits with Pennywise Coming out where you get these really crunchy sounds,
0: the, the really heavy bass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that um, too. Those
2: are really well done. I thought those really added something to the movie. Yeah, the score was great, and like they use some like more classical motifs and stuff during the, like the final epic sequences, which you don't hear as often these days in films, and it did harken back to, like, those, like, Steven the Spielberg-esque, like, big climactic sequences with, like, your Howard Shores. I, I like the score a lot. Too. So, the
0: the composer for this score is Benjamin Walfish, who also did the score for films such as uh, Dunkirk and Blade Runner 2049. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so... Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I think... Zimmer's I think, also...
2: Credited for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's yeah. it's him and the same guy. with Dunkirk. I believe Dunkirk has
1: an excellent score. I'm not crazy yeah, about that movie, but and like the, the score, is score great, specifically. Yeah. No, Blade Runner score is out. awesome. I I liked the film and the score for Dunkirk. It's an
0: okay movie.
1: Is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we get into oh, ratings? Oh, I think I've complained enough. Yeah. Um,
2: well, maybe I should just say, like, because like some That's of the
1: secret. the the broader ideas of this, I, I'm sure we'll get back, get back to back on this. revisit yeah. on the next episode. I mean, I guess so. my
0: my final thoughts are with like that that last climax. I I think that while they kind of underexplained why the kids are able to beat it, I do think that that scene is pretty fun of them just, like, collectively clobbering the shit out. Yeah, that's great, that's great. And he's, like, trying to rapidly change form to scare them, but it's ineffective because they're not scared, uh, and just ends with him uh, dragging himself back down into the depths. I thought it was well done. I thought it was a it was a fun, entertaining climax. Yeah, it's a, again, it's a fun climax. Once again, very shallow for what the the source material provides, but for the movie, thought it was good. I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I thought it was it was a weird choice to have Mike be raised by his grandparents instead, and them instead of like making the bullets for that uh have for the, slingshot, the, sheep, the, the sheep the sheep killer gun. gun yeah so like they bring down a legitimate like
0: It has it lethal. has a it serves a similar purpose though cuz the reason the silver bullets work in the slingshot in the original is because they believe that they will Right and we see at the the when uh they shoot pennywise with the bolt gun it it doesn't have a cartridge in it it's yes. out of it's yeah it's not loaded and we even, it cuts to Mike being like, no, it's not loaded, and then Bill pulls the trigger and it still fires into Pennywise's head. So it serves the same purpose as the silver It does. Bullets. I think the,
2: the the fun with the silver bullets is it's very like, like it's very comic in, yeah. booky and it fits like the childhood side. But sort once of again,
0: fifties. Exactly. Versus, no, and and yeah. I
2: get that. But like the sheep gun is like that's a very adult thing. you well, know, yeah, to, and have. to have,
0: and, have our introduction to Mike and, be like his grandfather yelling at him for being too much of a pussy to slaughter sheep. Cheap, you know, mm-hmm. as a 13 year old. So it's already in your face like children having to deal with death. I really hope that they give Mike more of a character in the second movie because he needs I mean to he's, he's the
2: literal narrator of the book
0: Yeah he's the <laughs> only one of them who stays in Derry after all of this He's the one yeah. who calls them all back He's the only one who remembers what happened Yeah like like seriously so, like, like I, I, I couldn't cannot,
2: cannot say enough like how I kind of did see that as, a, as an affront Like he's such t- turning throw- him into a token know, he's character such a throwaway really character in this
0: movie. And if if chapter 2 doesn't remedy that I'm going to be a little bit discouraged told about that for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm already not pleased. But well, Well, anyway,
0: is it time to rate, boys? Yes, it is. Ben, why don't you start? Sure,
1: I'll start. I've been wrestling with rating this movie all day today, leaning between three and a half and four because. On original viewing, I thought this was excellent. And I still think, in a lot of respects, this is one of the high-water marks for the type of movie it's going for. Sure. You know, those big tent spectacle horror movies where they have a very relentless pacing.
0: scare spectacle. Yeah, stuff. you
1: know, uh, spaced out. I do think on rewatch, it somewhat comes at the detriment of the film at times, uh, just because it doesn't have quite enough room to breathe and develop things. I do think a lot of those horror sequences build the characters in a really cool way. A lot of those set pieces are really well done, too. A lot of them are very scary. Overall, you know what? I'm going to give it a four out of five. I think it's really well done for what it is. I have a lot of things I wanted more of in this movie, and I hope they develop more in the second part. But overall, it's great
0: for what it is. Yeah, solid. Uh, Cleve?
2: I've been really torn. I was going to give it a three, but the more I've talked about it, I just I keep returning to the fact that like they turned Mike into a token character and they made Beverly a princess in the tower. Those factors just really rub me the wrong way, but uh, it does... Go with your heart. As a film... Without the context of the book, it's fine, I suppose. But even then, I just again, like I think, I think it just it starts too big at I the mean, beginning. Your rating, and rating is based
0: go. off of your enjoyment. So. Oh, my enjoyment
2: was a two point five. Like it's it's not glass. It's not <laughs> you know like I. There were moments of this film I I liked very very much, but there were a lot of moments that I really did not like. I, here's what I'll say. I don't think it's the rating. I think it's my rating. I think it's my personal opinion, and that's that's what I've got on it. It's I a mean, 2. that's 5. what all
0: ratings yeah. are. But yeah. that's what we're but, doing. That's why we're doing this. Yeah, so I, I,
2: I, that is, I don't think that's that's a, a, a reasonable average, but I, I, it's it's mine.
0: Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what what you said, Ben. I I think that. While it's a very shallow interpretation of the novel, I think that in terms of horror spectacle, it does a good job and it's more entertaining than a lot of the extremely dreary, boring ghost movies that we're getting these days in Demonic Possession. It's also tired, and while I think that there are definitely some problems overall. The sequences themselves, I think, are handled pretty effectively, and I don't find the film boring. First time I saw it, I was really high on it, and I I gave it a four and a half the first time I saw it, but with a couple of more viewings, some of its problems have started to To glare a little bit more. So I'm going to go down to a four as well. So between the three of us, that'll be an average of three and a half out of five pods for IT Chapter 1. Before we close it out, I
1: have two minor things I want to mention really quick. So for the second part, I know you guys have read the book, um, but... One of the things that I think that makes this movie so universal and one of the reasons it blew out the box office is because it uses child actors in the horror setting. And one of the things I'm slightly worried about with the second part coming out next week, and we'll get into this more next week, but I wanted to mention this now, is the adults, adults, um, because I feel like it recontextualizes some of the horror. Uh, We'll see how that is handled if they keep this relentless pacing in that new one.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i curious to see how they handle it as well, because a big thing of the book is that, you know, when they leave Derry, their memory of Derry fades. Right, which is so, just like a,
2: a briefly ex- exposited in, uh, in the film. At the so end.
0: they're the, as adults, they don't remember the stuff with it. So they have Mike, who's still in the town, you know, notices that it comes back has come back after twenty seven years, and he starts pulling, you know, calling them all back. And a lot of the book is them going around the town, reliving their experiences. That's why it's so much back and forth between adult and kid.
2: Like, yeah, the the adult chapters literally like end mid sentence, and they're picked up in the childhood chapters. It's really cool. There's a duality and a tandem right. there as the memories slowly come back to them. And
0: that and that when they go to confront it in the sewers as adults they sort of revert to a more childlike state because they have to go back and remember what as children gave them the power to defeat it in the first place so i think a lot of the success of this movie is going to be contingent on how they handle that Yeah, Because I think if it's just adults in spooky situations, like, you're right. I I think people are definitely more desensitized to that. The stakes seem higher when the ones at risk are children.
1: One of the other things I wanted to mention, and I think that's a really good point. I'm curious to see how it's executed. The other thing I wanted to mention really quick, this is directed by the same guy as Mama. And there's a few monsters in this movie that are very mama
0: well, yeah, the uh the painting of the flute lady Especially, that comes to life yeah. is basically just Mama. Yeah. She's got um, the same like green I didn't, green bean looking head. I didn't I, mind I, it I, the I,
2: first time on rewatch though. It I
0: it haven't seen Mama and, and I
1: was
2: very confused as to why this was in the film and I It's a weird it's and a weird And again insert. it feels yeah. like the director like inserting himself, which again was a huge problem I had. And like also the CG's not great like it it doesn't it's not scary at all like it looks like a like a weird like cg lady well i mean it's like just a cartoon
0: yeah because she's from a painting painting
2: yeah but not a not like a cg mind it i didn't mind, it. like, I it's didn't really mind how CG. it's executed i don't mind, in the, I don't movie. mind the cg i, I think just it's, think it's,
0: it's just kind of a weird monster yeah i think the monster
2: like, is scarier
0: than it was in mama
1: but at the same time like it's a little too clear step I did I did see in the mama credits to... this
0: time that that monster and the leper are both were both played by Javier Botet who does play mama that makes so much sense he's, that... he's like he's like the go-to in horror movies for uh long long-limbed spindly monsters him and Doug Jones yeah are the, are the go-tos there is definitely that parallel um yeah. yeah. Overall, I do think, considering that this is only this is Andy Muschietti's second feature film, like I feel like there's a there's a, a pretty significant amount of growth between Mama. and, yeah. and this movie. I
1: I would agree. Uh, I I saw rumors that after Chapter Two, uh, he's going to do Mama Two. Oh
0: no, no, which no, I no, hope please, he doesn't. No. Just. Please, move uh, on, move on, Andy. Yeah, I noticed that when he directed this movie, he started going by Andy instead of Andres. Yeah. Which which is what he's credited as in uh, in Mama. Yeah. No, but that's beside the point though. Go,
2: going back to the like the draw of the, the child actors and how it was it's resonating with everyone because stranger things. Well, I, I, I think, do think that the kids did a great job. Oh, I think like as actors, I think they did a kick-ass job. All and a
0: very good child actors. They're all yes. very
2: competent, yeah. and like the film and gets I, high marks for me on that front.
0: And but. and their adult counterparts are the the cast is pretty well stacked as well. I think James yeah. McAvoy, Jessica yeah. Chastain, Bill Hader. It's, I think
2: it's great choices.
0: Yeah, so I'm curious to see how they do it. I think I think they're going to have to.
2: Well, it's just the adult part is very reliant on drama. And this yeah. movie didn't do drama very well. It did spectacle very well. So Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm,
0: I'm going in just hoping for more of the same, I think. Like, just just give me the creepy spectacle. I don't think they're gonna really. I don't think they have time to get into the higher concepts.
2: Oh, well, my expectations aren't high. So as
0: long as as long as it's entertaining, that's all I'm looking for. I've made my I've made my peace with that. Like, I'm I I will definitely take an entertaining it adaptation. Yeah.
2: Well, I uh, I made the mistake of going into this movie with high expectations because they were foisted upon me by literally everyone. So yeah, this well, one I'm going with low expectations. And maybe a, I'll be a little more know, pleased because a, of
1: it. I'm gonna say this but you probably would have liked this more if you hadn't read the book right before. I know I would have. I know I would have. I would have liked it yeah. more
2: if I if I hadn't read the book, and I and I would have liked it more if I'd seen it in 2017. I still think I would have had some problems with this movie if I hadn't read the book and I'd, I just watched it now because Jesus Christ, the hype guys, like no, no film, you know, can, can handle that. And it's, I mean, you have to, you know. have to
0: consider the context and like the wide horror going on. Yeah. You got to like, consider is, what
2: type of movie.
0: This is the is, highest, you know? this is the highest grossing horror film of all time by like a pretty hefty margin. Whenever, whenever that is the case, when it's like generally renowned by the general populace, like odds are it's going to have some problems. Yeah, it's um, very true. Or, or it's or not, not even necessarily it's going to have problems, but it's going to be shallow as a large audience. People are fucking stupid. So the simpler and the shallower, the more entertaining.
1: Oh, it sounds pretty elitist yeah. to me. Should I cover our predictions for it? Chapter two? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it'll problem. be a couple weeks before we get the final results. We'll probably have some Rotten Tomatoes next week, but we'll have the final score yeah. in a couple weeks. Oops. So for Rotten Tomatoes, uh, T.C. went with 88. Cleve, you went with 85, and I went with 80. Opening weekend box office, T.C. went with 130 million. Cleve, you went with 170 million, and I went with 82 million. Um, I went extremely I, high i stand
0: I stand by my predictions I, I think I
1: saw somewhere online that they were predicting like over a hundred million for opening weekend I think
0: and guaranteed, like considering I'm guaranteed.
1: Uh, considering how many screenings there are at both of the amc's near us there were one every 15 minutes throughout opening is there gonna be
0: is there anything else playing at those theaters that that barely
1: anything it's like
0: it's 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 nearly
1: avengers level saturation
0: it's so bizarre that like a horror movie is getting that kind of And,
2: and you know what I think I will, it's good. I'm going to give I'm going to give huge praise to the film on that front. I'm I'm definitely standing by my rating. But I will absolutely say that if the cost of my enjoyment is that it's going to create a rising popularity for horror in films, yeah. Uh, it is a cost worth paying, and I. No, I think that. it's.
0: I think it's worth. I think it's. Uh, it's true. I've said it many times on the podcast, but I think right around 2014, 2015, we started to enter a horror renaissance that's just starting to pick up steam. Oh yeah, look at this year alone. It's insane. Look at how many absolute bangers have been out like after we get done recording this we're going to see the director's cut of midsummer hell
2: yeah we are 30 Mm -hmm.
0: minutes of extra footage like this has been an incredible year for Uh, horror stay tuned to hear from us
2: uh on that i think we should definitely yeah do a a little update update on it
0: Mm -hmm. we'll see about
2: that yeah because i just i gotta know do they they tie in the oracle do we you know those those loose ends get cleaned up a little bit
0: We'll have to find out here in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, so obviously next week is the continuation of this. We'll be talking about It Chapter 2 and our impressions, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Until then, if you like the show, if you enjoyed this episode, if you're a fan of Pennywise the Dancing Clown, or us, the Pennywise guys, then uh, take a few seconds. Hey, I'm floating
1: over here. <laughs> <I'm>
0: floating here. <laughs> uh, take a few seconds to uh, leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, as well as a nice review, uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and on Letterboxd. If you have a Letterboxd account, uh, look for us at PodPeoplePod for the list of all of the films we've talked about on the show, with our average ratings and the links to those reviews. Um, you follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. I'm at
2: Mr. Sheets. Uh, you can just listen to any other episode. You know where to find me, but I'm going to key into something a little more important. I want to tell you guys about something that I've told you about before, but no one's cashed in on yet. If you join our Discord, right, join our Discord and be the first person to let us know that you found us through the podcast, go to lightarkstudio.com or just look up at Stairs Back. Join our Discord and let us know that you found us through the podcast. Just say, hey, pod people, love the show or, or or hate the show. Fuck you guys. Give me my free copy to a game and I'll do it. I will totally send you a free copy to it stares back. Hop in the Discord and mention pod people and I will send you a free copy of the game
0: can't beat that
1: deal. What is that printing right now? Looks like uh, we got a late sponsor. Oh, ben, last
2: ben, second. At the last ben, second. you could have just let that stay in the printer. You had to, you had to just go. Oh, I want oh, to no. give my Daddy's got to
0: get his money. Oh, oh, fair, fair. We're the richest podcast in the world, Cleveland. It is, we have to maintain that.
2: That is true. Um, uh, yeah, this podcast is, is brought to you by Rosie's and Glackle's Rose-Tinted Glasses. Are you tired of seeing things looking all normal when you remember them looking so much better? Put on rosy and glapples, rose-tinted snapples, and take a sip and and see a better tomorrow that is closer to your yesterday.
0: What? <laughs> I'm not going to ask questions. That's the end of the show, folks. And until next time, we all float down here.